0: Are you ready are you ready are you ready hey 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 cubs fans. welcome to another episode of cubs on tap presented by on tap sports network i have brian mishler with me today brian let's dive right into this win shall we let's do it all right so it was uh, a little bit of a struggle for John Lester in the heat right away. Uh, he gave up a lot of runs, but he settled down. And of course, Rizzo with the big blast. What'd you think of this one?
1: Yeah, I thought
0: Lester, I
1: mean, if you look at the stats, 12 hits is brutal Four and runs, not too bad, but honestly, most of those hits were, were very, very seeing out ground balls, to be honest. A lot of them were infield hits and quite frankly, Quite frankly, a lot of them were due to Lester's inability to field his own position, to be honest. So I don't think he got hit as hard as the box score would make you think he did. I actually thought he competed very well, which is classic John Lester, especially in that heat. Overall, when it's all said and done, I, that's a little bit better than I was expecting today out of Lester, to be honest.
0: Yes, I agree. Overall, in the, in the first inning, his hard hit ball rate, as you said before, it was very soft singles and, you know, the, the hard hit ball rate was very low. Nothing was really crushed. You did mention that he had an inability to field his position and that was on that play. Little dribbler right in front of the catcher, but it ended up tailing all the way up to the pitcher's mound and, you know, it's pretty good chance that Contreras is in there, he makes that play, but John bounces that throw to first and that allows more runners to be on and another at bat. And luckily they only scored one in that first inning, but I believe they had four hits. So he escaped a couple of jams throughout the game and that's just one of them. So I agree with you. I think John Lester also struggled with, he had a tr- spotting his pitches. Uh, if he doesn't get that outside corner called by the umpire, he really has a hard time lately. Uh, What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I agree. And there's been multiple instances in the past where he literally screams at umpires for not giving him that outside corner. (laughs) But yeah, at this day and age in his career, he's on clearly the back half. He's got to get that outside corner to be the type of pitcher you really want him to be if he's going to be your two or your three pitcher in October if the Cubs make it to October. So yes, I agree. I agree. Lester's clearly not doesn't have the stuff. He did probably three, maybe even two years ago, to be honest. But he's still out there competing. And I I still love I still love the guy.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, he compete. He is, as you said, he competes really hard. I mean, he could be down and just dripping sweat in this heat, but he'll just keep going and 100 pitches. He doesn't care. He'll just power through the inning. Let's fast forward to the third inning when your, uh, your pick-to-click last episode, Anthony Rizzo, takes the plate with bases loaded and delivers the bomb. What did you think of that?
1: Yeah, I I was kind of shocked just because off the bat, I, I didn't think it was out. I actually thought it was going to be a, a fly out to left field, but it's really hard to tell how hard somebody squares it up on the TV. But, I mean, I knew he would – potentially have a big day I mean he he hasn't been horrible lately but he's just been in a kind of slump the past two or three weeks like I was saying last episode but I was feeling it I like Rizzo a lot and a lot of the Cubs get a bad rap for not hitting with runners in scoring position and I haven't I don't have the stats to back this up but it feels like Rizzo's the one guy when there's runners in scoring position that he comes through
0: I have to agree with you there. Uh, I also don't have the stats, but it feels like, especially when he's down two strikes, he'll choke up. Guy at second and third, he'll deliver that knock right into center field, that base knock, and uh, I have to agree with you there. He arguably gives you the best plate appearance of any Cub on that team.
1: Uh, I don't even think it's close, to be honest, in that situation. I mean, there's better hitters on the team, Chris Bryant, clearly, but yeah. I mean, if it's a clutch situation, I want Rizzo up at the play, and there's zero hesitation on that.
0: I agree. I agree. He reminds me a lot of Joey Votto with the choking up. He battles, and when he gets into counts where he can just keep on falling off pitches and gets the pitch he likes, sometimes he really drives it. So the power's there as well. Absolutely. And then also
1: I'd like to add that, it feels like the past couple games that the cubs are actually playing with some fire with a little bit of a sense of urgency which i really did not see in the first half after all well, not the whole first half but like the last like 30 35 games before the all-star break it looks like they were it looked like they were just sleepwalking which is why i thought they needed to change something internally but honestly i mean these 7 games after the break They're competing out there. They're playing with some fire, and I love to see it.
0: I agree. Yeah, it's great to see that fire. You know, as you know, the division is very competitive. The Reds have kind of fallen out, and the Pirates look like they could be close to falling out as well. But the Cardinals have won five out of their six right out of the second half as well. So they're battling, and the Brewers have been struggling, but you can't keep an offensive team like that down for very long. So it's good to see them playing with fire. Let's uh, fast forward yeah. now to the fifth inning. Uh, we have Baez up to the plate, and he delivers the go-ahead home run. What would you think of that swing? Uh, I mean,
1: <laughs> that's just classic Harvey, to be honest. Yeah. Right when you, I mean, that says it looks like Vlad Guerrero out there, to be honest. Yeah. Like, to to be to be clear, Baez has been struggling for a better part of a month now. He hasn't been the same. I thought that heel injury kind of was the beginning of the reason of that about a month ago, but he's never really gotten out of the slump. So maybe hitting a dinger and then having a two for four day, maybe he comes out of the slump because like he's still, still a very good hitter by all means, but he's not having that MVP type season that he did last year. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Early in the season, I'm talking early, early, I was very excited to see Baez driving the ball to the opposite field because you did not see a lot of that last year. He was pulling everything, and all that power was going when he was pulling. And I was excited because I thought you'd get both. And just like you said, I think he struggled after that heel injury. You know, He's not really seeing the ball well. If he doesn't take his balls – he, they will not give him anything to hit. I mean, clearly pitchers know now not to throw by as a strike. Even balls that are out of the strike zone, by a little bit, he can hit for homers. So I definitely agree with you there. I think he was slumping. Uh, I don't think it's worrying me. I don't think I should – and any Cubs fans should be really scared that Baez is going to turn into, like, the Almora right now. But I think that this homer today – can give them a jump start into these next couple games. And then, as you know, after this series at home, we have pretty hard road trip coming up. Yeah,
1: they have a very long and hard road trip coming up. And I'd like to add that, yes, they got the W, and it felt good because Kimbrell came in and shut the door. He, By the way, he looked nasty today. That's how oh, yeah. he's looked in a Cubs uniform.
0: Definitely, he was challenging people left and Absolutely. right.
1: Absolutely. But yeah, if they lose that game, I think the narrative is completely flip-flopped because Mm -hmm. they didn't really play that well. And then what I was talking about, the sense of urgency thing, it was great all game besides one play. I mean, how does Javier Baez make that? That's the type of mental mistake that they've been making all year. I mean, he catches a pop-up in shallow left and just overthrows the pitcher. I just... I don't know what's going on, going through the player's mind sometimes. And yes, it was a great win, but if they lose, the narrative's different. And then yes. you look at that play, just like, why are they doing that type of stuff?
0: Exactly. These, this is not the 2018 clean-cut, very few-error Cubs. As of late, their errors have been up a lot more, and they are making very mental mistakes, simple mental mistakes, just like today, almost a Little League play. Javi Baez, not even thinking, chucks it back inside arm into the infield, throws it right over the pitcher. And uh, Maldonado reacted late to get to that ball. So
1: I yeah, agree with I mean, you. It's just inexcusable, especially like mm-hmm. that's a play from Robel Garcia. If you were playing today, where you're like, okay, maybe that's some growing pains. I mean, he's a young kid, been in the majors for like
0: two, three weeks, but it's, it's Javier Baez. You can't be making that <laughs> play. Definitely, definitely. Now, let's go to the eighth inning where I think what we could say is 2018 stroke and 2019 stroke, very different people. Um, he got a pinch hitter. I think it was, um, it was Naylor. Yes, Naylor up to bat and uh, crushes one to center field to tie the game. Just a real sad moment for the Cubs, especially after rallying, getting that homer by a bias. Uh, so, what do you think about Strope now?
1: Yeah, so I they, the Cubs laid out their playoff bullpen today.
0: Absolutely,
1: mm-hmm. but I think moving forward, I think that has to change. I understand. Oh, well, actually, I do not understand why c Shack isn't getting looked at to be the setup man right now. He's analytically wise. He's been better than Strope all year. And I realize he's not a household name like Strope, and maybe the cat some casual fans don't even know who Steve Seashack Sh- C- 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 is. But he has been pivotal to their success this year, and mm-hmm. he needs to be the setup man. Like it's like he just is—he's better than Strope. I mean, Strope, how many times is he gonna just throw a belt-high fastball first pitch and somebody just kills it? Like most of his home runs given up are first pitch fastballs that are not yep. even close to good pitches.
0: I definitely agree, and honestly, personally, Steve Steve Seashack has been one of my favorite bullpen pitchers we've had in a while. I liked uh, Jesse Chavez last year, but Steve seashack has been great, and this year he has been just vital to the Cubs' success. Yes, he's thrown a couple more home run balls than we would hope and that he's used to throwing up there, but as you said, the competitiveness of him to throw a belt-high fastball first pitch I mean, these guys, they're hungry, especially these Padre hitters that he was hunting that first pitch fastball, did not miss it. And it was basically anybody's going to hit that pitch in, at this level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Strope's very hit or miss. Sometimes I'm watching him. He's, I mean, he's got nasty stuff. And when he's placing it, you're like, that, that might be our closer right there. Sometimes he's, he's got nasty stuff like Kimbrel. But other times he just has no idea where he's throwing it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how hard you throw, if you throw it belt high consistently, you're gonna get you're gonna get bombed.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that, that spin rate needs to go way, way up more. Because as you said before, his pitches are not as filthy as Kimbrell, but he has been in the past a very filthy pitcher. So we'll have to see. I do I do think, and this is a little off topic of stroke, but I think Calling um, Carl Edwards Jr. back up, I think they got to get that guy in order because he was a very good weapon for us. And I think going deeper into the season, he can help the bullpen a lot more.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think Edwards definitely deserves a shot, but I'm not going to lie, I don't have much confidence in him
0: just because,
1: I mean, he hasn't really been that – like, last year he wasn't good. This year he's been on the IL a lot.
0: I mean I yeah. got
1: awesome. He deserves a shot because he's got good stuff, but I don't know. I'm not that I'm not that confident in his ability. I love C Shek. I think he should move into the setup man type of role. But it's funny because the front office never really talks about it. But whenever they're in a press conference, they continue to say that. Brandon Morrow is progressing very well (laughs) and nobody's talking about it. So it's Uh. really confusing to be honest. I mean, apparently Theo said it was either today or yesterday that Morrow threw a live bullpen session in Arizona and looked great. And he's going to do that again in the next couple of days. And then if all goes well, he's doing a rehab stint and he could be on the Cubs in two or three weeks. And I just, I think it's kind of funny how nobody's talking about it because yeah. last year before he got hurt, he was absolutely dominant.
0: Yeah. Uh, Morrow is the great puzzle of the Chicago Cubs, in my opinion. Uh, it was crazy. All The way the front office has handled this whole Morrow thing has been not disastrous, but not good.
1: <laughs> They're yeah. not talking
0: about it. And, and I think they need to give way more information that they have. They've been kind of quiet about Morrow, what's going on with him. We spent a lot of money on Morrow to yeah. not be this quiet about Morrow. So I agree with you. He is very, very dominant when he's right. And if he's right, he needs to be up here with us.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he's got just as uh, – maybe not as good a stuff as Kimbrel, but, I mean, it's right up there when he's on.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to the Web Gems segment. Um, did you see any really good plays out there or anywhere around baseball?
1: Eh, I mean, this is similar to last time. Maybe I don't have my eye on the TV as much, but honestly nothing really comes to mind. I do remember a lot of the opposite by the Padres in the last last two innings of that game, but nothing that really stood out to me that much,
0: to be completely honest. Well, I'm having deja vu again because I saw a great play by Bryant in left field. You might remember now. He jumped – he kind of misread a line – like a screaming line drive. I think it was off the bat of Margot. And he jumped up at the last second and pulled it down. And that was an awesome play, especially for Chris Bryant. As we talked about before, his secondary position, that's not where he's comfortable. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, it just proves how much of a freak athlete he is. Not to to mention how good of a base runner he is. I mean, he's as good as it gets when it comes to – I mean, being an all-around player – in the in major league baseball
0: yeah definitely now we touched on kimberl a little bit and as you said this is the best you've seen him all season do you think that walk is something to worry about was that close pitches to you or do you just think he was nibbling around him he didn't want to get bit by the home run ball
1: you see i initially thought he was nibbling around him but that doesn't really make much sense because if you, you walk that guy and then the next one comes up, and now the winning runs at the plate. So I don't, I don't, if he was pitching around him, I don't understand that. I think you go right at him, but I think he still has command issues 100%. I mean, how many, it's still what he's like, he's had like six innings pitched this year. So he's yeah, still something early. like that.
0: Yep, so, definitely.
1: There's definitely times when he spikes his curveball right into the dirt where that's like, okay, that's spring training type of stuff. But, I mean, you can't deny the output. He's had a little drama as being a, the Cubs closer in totality, although the last two outings he's actually came in and just pretty much shut the door with the exception of the walk. But I think, I think you got to be excited if you're a Cubs fan. He's starting to look like exactly – what we paid him to be. So I, I think I'd be very, very excited moving forward. I wouldn't, there's nothing to worry about. I don't know, Nick, what do you think?
0: I have to agree with you. Um, you know, he's, he's really good. He's a great pitcher. He's been hall of fame caliber in the past. And now we know he can get back there. And as you said, nibbling around that guy to get, I think it was to Hosmer who also has a lot of power makes no sense, especially when you got a guy on already. So I think he's still working out a few things, as you said. We talked about that this is kind of like his spring training um, in the last episode because he did come in late. He did not play much baseball, not at Major League at all, but not much baseball on the side. I mean, he threw some side sessions and things before heading to the Cubs, but this is kind of his in-moment in spring training game. And if this is the case, he's doing great for spring training. Yeah, I
1: would agree. I mean, it, yeah, it's it's you, you can't really know how much he pitched on the side. I mean, he said he did, but, like, obviously he's not going to say he just ate Cheetos the entire time. So <laughs> we don't really know what he did on the side. So yeah. it's starting to look good. Yes, he's basically in spring training, so he's looking dominant for that. And then also I want to add – if we're going to talk about more of the bullpen in totality, I think Kinsler also deserves to be, I know, um, last game he gave up a couple runs, but he's been as good as anybody in the bullpen. And I think he needs to start getting more, more meaningful innings moving forward. Yeah. I don't know if you agree with that or not.
0: I do agree with that. Um, I've never, I think it was because of last year, but I've, it's been hard to gain my trust back with Kinsler This year, he's definitely done a great job. I feel good about him. I feel really good when he comes in with runners on because he's really good at dialing up that ground ball. Oh, he's yeah. that sinker ball pitcher. He He's a weapon almost to be like, here, we need a double play. Go in there. Get that ground ball. I don't know if I like to see him start those clean innings. He is kind of has a hard time with for some reason. It's very weird, but... When he comes in with guys on, he is dominant very dominant yeah and
1: yeah, I think you're probably right on that, especially since we have a good enough good enough pitchers to not put him plug him in to start the seventh or eighth so yeah i I would probably agree now that you laid out those facts that he's most valuable coming in in a dirty inning when when quite frankly you need a double play and a ground ball, and honestly like that sounds pretty it sounds like we're misvaluing him or thinking he's not that valuable, but that is that is a very important position to be in to have a guy like that out of your bullpen that can come in and provide that output.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. And while we're on the topic of the bullpen, I just want to say to all the Cubs fans, it's just great to get that electric feel back when someone's coming out of the bullpen. When they play Sweet Child O Mine and, and uh, Craig Kimball starts coming out of the pen. That crowd is electric. It reminds me a lot of uh, Chapman when we had to roll this Chapman. Yeah I mean, the crowd is electric. It's great to see them get so excited about someone just coming out of the bullpen. It gives the closer some big adrenaline shots, and I think it helps. I think it really helps to have that electric crowd for a closer. so I don't know, I feel good about our bullpen.:
1: Yeah, I agree. The bullpen hasn't even been close to the biggest issue. The past month, and even, even the all season, to be honest, I contend that the biggest issue of the Cubs is their lack of position player depth, which brings us, I'm going to talk about the lineup for a little bit. So I was a little weary about who Joe rolled out and put on the lineup card today. I mean, I don't understand. I understand the concept of having Albert Almora maybe boost his confidence, randomly give him a start, like, leadoff position. But, I, like, you can't, you can't continue to do this. It's pretty bizarre
0: because, mm-hmm. like,
1: in one instance, you're like – because I think it was last year where he killed left-handed pitching. You look at, okay, maybe it's because he's a lefty. But if you dive deep into the stats, Amor has, like, a 580 OPS against left-handed pitching this year. So not only is he not hitting righties, but he's just not hitting period. So you can't have them lead off games, especially when right now you're trying to step on the throat of the division, so to speak. They have a lot of off days. You gotta have like. I think they should have a, a, around a five game lead in the division after this month. But you, like they were lucky to win this game. They they had almost three to four automatic outs in the lineup today with you if you include Lester. And I, yeah. I just don't I don't get it. I think I think Madden. This is the type of thing where he over manages after a, like a day off and I just, I don't agree with it. I don't, I don't, I don't know what he's doing really.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. When I first saw the lineup today and I saw Al in that leadoff spot, I just like you was frustrated. I do not understand why he is still in that leadoff spot. And as you said before, it's probably Joe Madden over managing, trying to get some confidence in Al but You know, that's kind of first-half stuff. This is we need to buckle down. While the Brewers are kind of down and out, we need to step on their throats. we got to get ahead of them. You know, this is not some time to be adjusting and experimenting with things. I think Kyle Schwarber should be at the leadoff spot. I don't care what anyone else says. He, They got to keep some kind of consistency, in my opinion. Maybe that's because I'm kind of old school with my baseball thoughts, but I like a leadoff hitter. If you are dictating that Kyle Schwarber is going to be your leadoff hitter for a while, keep him up there. He's not doing horrible, and, yes, he has a lot of power, his potential to hit your home runs, but, you know, he gets hits too. He's not just a two-outcome, three-outcome type of guy. So I, I agree with you on the Elmore thing. It's very frustrating to see, and as you said before, there's almost four automatic outs today, and winning like that's very hard. So, yeah, I mean... I agree with you 100% on that. Yeah,
1: and then on top of the lineup, I don't think you can – I mean, you had, you had Albert Amora, Martín Maldonado. Bodie has been horrible lately. Yeah. And then you also had – I wouldn't say Russell's been horrible lately, but he's just like – he's not as he's not that great. And you had Lester. I mean, that's looking like over half of your lineup is below average
0: hitters. Yeah, definitely. I I like how you said Bodie because he's kinda of slipping through the cracks here. He is struggling. He came up with the bases loaded today. Nothing. And um it's it's unfortunate to see him struggling because we've the Cubs have really given him a shot here, especially yeah. after last year. You know, he came up I thought he was going back down and he had that huge hit against the Nationals, as everyone knows, that grand slam. But it's been kind of hard for him this year I mean he's not really getting some traction he granted he's not in the lineup every day and a lot of people want to make that argument but you still shouldn't be doing as bad as you are now if you you can't blame it all on not being in the lineup every day you have opportunities he's also been a really good pinch hitter in the past so there's no excuse for him to be doing the way he's doing
1: yeah I agree he I thought he'd get I was actually a month ago on the train of having him play every day at second, but it looks like, I mean, it's still a little early and he could just be going through something, but it's looking like the more he plays, the more teams starting to figure him out, which is pretty concerning, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this is a a great segue into our next segment, is we have a question segment. So I have a question for you. Uh do you have any questions about the Cubs right now for me that we can discuss?
1: I would say I would ask what real this goes to like basically similar similar at last time or last show what I asked, but like what are they going to realistically do at the deadline? I've actually seen some rumors floating around that they may be targeting Whit Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: if you if you realistically look at what they would have to give up to get him, I think, I think it's too much. You'd probably have to do Nico Horner, Caratini, and then either Schwarber and Russell. And then, like I was saying earlier, you have a team which their biggest need all season has been position player depth because they traded Tommy Lestella for nothing. Ben Zobrist has had the personal issue. And Addison Russell is no longer the same player he used to be. And Albert Amora and Ian Happ have flopped. So all those five things happened. You have bad position player depth. You can't make a trade that trades up the rest of your depth. I just think, I don't think, even if it's somebody as good as Whit Merrifield, you can't do it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And not many people are saying what you're saying. And I really never thought about it until you said it. But you are correct. If we give up these, these caliber players that we have, we are losing a lot of our depth. We're losing a lot of our moments, so to speak, that we have a guy up that we could throw up there in a huge situation in September, October, where we need him. And if we don't have those guys, I mean, what do you have? Whit Merrifield, nothing to take away from like him as a player. He's an amazing player. But I don't think, personally, he's worth giving up um, Horner, schwarber and russell i mean almora on my list obviously i'm okay with if we want to do that but Schwarber's too royals, valuable
1: i agree with you there but i why would the royals want almora like yeah i don't i don't think they'd take him to be honest no
0: and i agree with you and all the rumors say schwarber and russell so i i agree with you there that it's just kind of At this point, you don't want to give those guys up, especially. Yeah, I have to agree, and I didn't think that way until I heard what you said. It's like if they were to do Caratini,
1: Horner, and Russell, I would maybe consider it. But I don't think you can. I don't think you can tie Schwarber into that mix because the outfield has no depth at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if you give up Schwarber, you're basically saying. Chris Bryant is a permanent left fielder or outfielder the rest of the year. And I'm reluctant to give Robel second base because I'm assuming they probably put Merrifield in center field, maybe second base a little bit, but center field, giving that he can play a lot of outfield very well. I'm reluctant to give Robel Garcia the everyday job at second base because, yes, he's raking right. He's got one of the weirdest stories coming up, as I've ever heard. Like, he fizzled out with the Indians, I believe. And then it's rare to just be rejected by the MLB like that and then figure it out in Italy and then come yeah. back and be uh, an everyday starter for multiple years as the Cubs. Like, yes, he's playing well, well right now, but in a month, I could see him being not as bad as Daniel Descalso, but basically being designated as a pinch hitter in situations.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely I like that a lot because... Robel Garcia's definitely has an interesting story. And, you know, as you discussed before, we lose all our outfielder depth. I personally cannot go to sleep knowing that Bryant is our permanent left fielder. I just can't do it. He's great. He's a great player. He really holds that position well. But in a pennant race, I need someone better out there.
1: Yeah. I need
0: yeah, I need someone better out there. I don't really have a problem With our entire lineup, I think there's ways in-house right now that we can fix things. Um, They're just not delivering what they need to deliver as who the players are that they are, you know? So Yeah. I I mean, the top of the
1: line, I think, is. But, yes, to your point, the the bot, after you get to the top five hitters, I want to say, there's not much to offer. I guess Schwarber's a six. But after that, nothing. I mean yeah, I think and you have player,
0: Hayward as well.
1: Yeah. So I, I I think he would be included in that six if I'm doing the numbers in my head right. But yes, Hayward, clearly he's having but I think the biggest need by far for the I mean yes, you can always add a reliever, so I'm not really gonna I'm not really gonna talk about that. As far as the lineup goes, I think it's center field because The defense loses so much when Jason Hayward moves from right field to center field because because Hayward is an absolute elite right fielder. I want to say I don't have the stats pulled up right now, but he's like plus seven, eight or nine defensive runs saved in right field. And then when he shifts over to center field, he's like negative three. So he's a slightly below average center fielder. So when you move him from right field, his elite position, to center field below average, then what do you do? You stick Chris Bryant in right field, who's at his very best is an average right fielder. And then if you have Schwarber in left field, who's at his very best is an average left fielder, you have now a bad defensive out. So I think their glaring need is by far center field, but is, who are they going to get? Besides Merrifield, there's really no good center fielders on – on A bad team, and to make like on top of that, Merrifield's first position isn't even seven field, so like I think it Almora not developing is really, really, really killing this team. Yes, they've they're one six out of the first seven out of the break. Yes, they're playing well, but I think d- more refuels- refusal to develop really hampers this team to reach their full potential. And I think maybe you got to give, like we were talking about last episode, you got to give Ian half Hapish- a. God, see what he can do out there
0: yeah yeah I really I really like that and that was a good discussion on that question uh I had a question and you know looking over today I think something that's being kind of overshadowed with all these other things we picked up Maldonado and John Lester actually came here as you probably know with David Ross being his personal catcher do you think that John and Maldonado had bad chemistry today
1: i it's, it's tough to say because, I mean, Lester looked pretty heated out on the mound, but for a lot, a lot of different reasons. But I will say, like you were saying earlier in the episode, Contreras knows to get those balls and whip them over to first. And Maldonado, Maldonado does not know that. He doesn't know Lester is incapable of fielding his position. So, I, yes, I think I would agree with you that that probably pissed Lester off.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, and and it's just something to think about with Maldonado. However, on the positive side of Maldonado, Contreras is not—he's actually really low on the list of framing pit catchers, And Maldonado he's is high, like thirty-third. Yeah, yeah, and Maldonado is up there, and he's oh, yeah. great. I think he stole a couple strikeouts for Lester today. I think he stole a couple strikeouts for multiple pitchers when he came up here. So it's been good to see him. I don't have a problem with him. I'd like to see him start hitting. I mean, I know he came here, and he's not really here to hit, but Contreras hits, so it'd be yeah. nice to see him just do something. I, but I know we it can't also get it makes at
1: all. Me, it makes me think they got Maldonado. I'm intrigued as to why they went to three catchers. They've done it before in the past, but with how good Victor Caratini is, I'm interested to see how they manage that moving forward. I think we're going to see a lot more of Contreras in the corner outfield positions. I think you kind of have to do that to keep getting Caratini a lot more at bats because Caratini is like the sixth best hitter in the lineup, even better than Schwarber. If you look at his stats this year. So I really think they should consider Contreras in left field and right field more, but obviously you're sacrificing a lot defensively. So, it's just, it's a really tough call.
0: It is. And, it, and it's hard to make the call of, am I going to sacrifice my defense? And it may not come back to bite me. I mean, it could be routine fly balls all day long. And yeah. maybe that guy goes up to the plate and crushes a home run with guys on. Or you have a situation where you got knuckling line drives that they can't handle and all sorts of bad things. And then they come up to the plate and go 0 for 4. So it is a gamble.
1: It is, and my rebuttal to that would be they've been sacrificing defense all year because of how bad Almora has been. So I think they should do it. I don't know. I don't run the team. So we'll see what Joe Madden does moving forward with that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so this was a good win. I mean, it wasn't, as we've been discussing this whole time, it wasn't a solid victory where we feel really great like they deserve to win 100 percent i think it was a good win um the go-ahead run obviously came on a bunch of errors on san diego's part so we don't know what would have happened but we're gonna take the win we're gonna you know just be happy that we got it and we're gonna move on to saturday now saturday's matchup we have quintana on the mound for us who has a 4.21 era he's kind of been just all right this season and and i think throughout his career almost he's just been a solid all right pitcher he's not gonna be lights out every time he's not gonna be your ace he's just he's just all right what do you think
1: yeah i agree i I would say that the beginning of the year he was like dominant and then for like a solid six weeks he was bad like very bad and then the last three starts, he's actually been back to being dominant again. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Quintana just like a big wild card. Sometimes he's just horrible out there. And other times <laughs> he, he looks really good. So, I don't know. I have yeah. no idea which Quintana we're going to see tomorrow. But hopefully it's good
0: Quintana. Well, he's going for his fourth W tomorrow. Uh, that'll be his fourth straight W. And he's going to have to get through Lucchesi who's 7-4 and four with a 3.92 ERA. Um, you know, it, it should be a good one. Now, a lot of this all depends on the lineup that Joe Maddon throws out there. Uh, it's hard It's hard to say what's going to happen tomorrow. Kyle Schwarber could be the landing leadoff. Um, Caratini could be in the game. We have no idea. So it's hard to say what's going to actually happen. We can probably rely on those three bias, Bryant and Rizzo, being in there. But other than that, I think it's a lot of question marks. Don't you agree?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think they need to stop hitting Hayward sixth. I don't understand why he's been there. I, I don't think you put him at lead off because, quite frankly, I don't think Hayward wants to lead off, or else I think they would have tried him there this year. They might have at the beginning of the year, if I remember correctly, but they haven't in a while. But I think you got to have Hayward at second or fifth. I yeah, don't know I, why they keep adding him sixth.
0: He has to be second, in my opinion. I, uh, yeah, I, I think he'd be great. And yeah, second, I don't know why he's hitting in sixth either. He's raking the season. Not only that, he's just seeing the ball so well. And if he's hitting second, he is putting the pressure on the first inning pitcher. I mean, they might have to throw a bunch more pitches, especially in this heat this weekend. There's no doubt in my mind he should be batting second for me. So, yeah, I would totally agree. All right, so let's move on to our picks to click for this game. Well, um, it's going to be actually called Cubby's Picks to Click, I believe. But what do you – we'll figure out the name later. What do you think – who do you think – who do you have, you know, feeling good about? Your last pick to click completely clicked with the uh, Grand Slam. Let's see if you can keep it going. Who do you think?
1: I'm going to go with Javier Baez. I think to springs him out of his – the little slump he's been going through in a month. So I'm picking Baez for tomorrow. What about you? Nice,
0: nice. I'm going to go with Rizzo. I think he's going to continue to stay hot. He's actually not been doing bad lately at all. I I think he's gonna th- so show some power tomorrow. Maybe a double, a home run. We'll see. But I, I'm gonna pick him.
1: Let's uh, let's do it. Hopefully,
0: one of them comes into fruition. Definitely. All right. Let's wrap this one up. Cubbies get the W. Uh, this has been Cubs on Tap, presented by On Tap Sports Network. I'm Nick Hudson. Uh, this is Brian Mishler. And yeah, uh, any last words, Brian?
1: Nope, excited to get back on in a couple days, but it was a good show. Cubs didn't play particularly that well, but you know what? It's a W and with as tight, tight of a race as all Central is right now, you take whatever you can get.
0: I agree. Go Cubs Go. Cubs, go. go Cubs Go. Hey
1: Chicago, what do you say?
0: The Cubs are gone.